The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your host. Okay, so the title of this message is called The Explanation Session of Godship. So let's dive in and... So here is our famous Godship list. Most people give a Godship definition of trying to assert themselves as God, taking God's job or playing God. Because what I hear over and over and over, and you probably have too, is what is wrong with setting good standards? So to look at someone and say... You know, they ask you, well, is it wrong for me to... And then they actually state or quote a biblical standard and you say, yes, I'm afraid that is Godship. That really throws them off because they're trying to live a good Christian life and they don't see it as standard setting. So we got to make sure that we understand that they understand exactly what Godship means. If someone was actually... Determine a standard of conduct for themselves, others, and even God, and left it there, they'd be good. Soon as they start demanding absolute obedience of that standard, puts them in God's position. So I could determine standards and conduct for myself and you if it matches God's, it'd be great, and left it alone not demanded of you and not done any of this other stuff, just left it alone, I would fall into the category of of living by the standards of God. So it's not what the standard is. Like the gal said to me last week about cleaning her home. It's not what the standard is. It's what you do with it that determines Godship. Whoever determines the standard of conduct, I believe it starts with number one, is that I first determine a standard of conduct for me. So therefore, you know, I'm the center of the universe, so whatever the standard of conduct is within my sphere, that's what I want you to live by, or you're going to make me feel insecure. Or you're going to make me feel threatened. Or you're going to make me feel intimidated. Or you're going to make me whatever. So the standard actually comes first from you. It's not one of these. It starts in here. And now I want you to do the same thing. Even though I may be failing in that standard, which is the weird part about it. I can fail, but I don't want you failing me. I'll fail me. But I don't want you failing me. Now it starts double dipping and creates some serious problems. Now here's the irony of this thing. One plus two equals judgment on God. If I have that standard for me, I'm going to make you have that standard if you're going to hang with me. And then... God has to support my decisions 
as a result of these standards. That is what I believe most Christians will not admit to. You are actually saying right from the get-go, look, I have this standard. I expect my spouse and my children or whoever to have this standard. And by the way, God, I want you to be supporting me on this. As soon as we start taking someone through the God chip list, we get interrupted. What about if the standard is biblical? So when you determine a standard, what you're actually asking for is a contract. With yourself, you're actually trying to keep your own word. So if you said this is the way you're going to do it for you, you're contracting yourself. You're trying to keep your own word. What it does is bind you with the law. So another word for contracting self would be the law. Using the law on yourself. So you you keep yourself bunched in with this law. Well, if I remember correctly, the law arouses life and causes you to prosper in all things. Now you're into your own perfectionism. If you want to write another word there, it's called perfectionism. Perfectionism is this. Keeping things in order externally, in order to feel emotionally in order. So what happens is that the myself is you're using laws, guidelines, and you're demanding that they they all kind of line up and stay in a nice little, you know, straight, narrow way so you feel emotionally in order. Standard setters are after one thing, and that is to make myself feel better. That's it. See, but misery loves company. Nobody really wants to be inside that circle alone. Misery really does love company. In a real strange sort of way, what God ships setting standards does, it's inviting the other in here and saying, if you want to sleep in my room, if you want to bunk up together, you got to keep my rules. And if you can't keep my rules, get out and stay out when all this starts happening. It's all about protecting yourself. That's the whole deal here. Now you're putting the pressure on someone else with the exact same standard, but you can fail and disappoint. That's perfect, because now I have to make the concluded summary uh, remark of point number one. I even like doing it real with a lot of drama and counseling. I am the I am. So that is what we are telling ourselves, others, and it really is a confession to God. Are you not listening to the burning bush here? Take your sandals off. God, I'm speaking. That is honesty. If we had Christians just say that, God, just, excuse me, take your sandals off. You're standing before me. If we talk like that, do you realize how quick we'd be corrected? But see, we, but we don't. We caramel coat it and we make it sound correct. But God knows what we're really saying. I am the I am. 
And I think when God said that to Moses, I don't think he wanted Moses to forget it. So Moses, before we get this ministerial thing going here, try to remember this. Don't ask me my name again. I am the I am's. The I am's is very appropriate, which means I am all the identities. The I am, the I am. In other words, carpenter, priest, high priest, all these titles and names. He's going, I am. So because he knew Moses just came from a childhood and adulthood that was completely built upon names and building monuments and blah, 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 blah. So this was a significant thing. Godship is saying that, but refusing to confess it. I would never talk to God like that. Hmm. Well, you do every day, is the truth of the matter. Now, before we go there, it, it is all about the I. Yes. But the end result, which is a few more bullet points are coming under some of these points, is that... Satan wants you to write your own Bible. So he actually wants a, a, a record book. He wants writings. He wants statements. He wants, he wants you to live by your own Bible. Bible is testimonies of what, in our case, the God accomplished. So setting determining standards and actually achieving a lot of these standards is testimony that Self does work. So it builds pride. The end result is right down here, it's pride. I don't need help or guidance from anyone. That's just another word, way of saying pride. Satan is pride. So that is the result of you have your own book that you live by. So it's not just the I, it's not just selfishness, it's one step further of saying, yeah, I know it's all about you. Now write it down. Burn that on the tablet of your heart. Record it. That these are your standards. And if these people don't live by it, you have the right to be a little God. Because it would take a fool who is possessed by a demon to think that they could be the big G. So it's a little God. Most people settle with being controller of God over their own lives. And they live by their own, their own Bible. That's what standards are. It's Bible. They're written documents. They're, it's in place. So it is said, so it is written. Where do I get that? Well, a lot of verses, actually. But there's one in particular that says, Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man, and you finish it will be written in the book of life. Well, see, Satan knows that. So when he gets us standardizing each other, it's going to get recorded. Not only is God keeping track of it, I thank God we won't be judged for it, but not only is God keeping track of it, he wants us to keep track of it. And if you look at your average argument and below average argument, it's nothing more than throwing Bible verses at each other from our own Bibles. That's all it is. But you said, 
No, don't, no, I remember. I remember, hold it. I remember exactly what you said. And that's what you're doing is you're pulling this recall from what you have recorded that came out of their mouth and you're the one that's holding them in account. Well, of course you are. Little God. That's how it works. So we actually need a, a Bible. Satan knows that. He can't just throw you off once, or, once in a while because you'd catch on. He needs a book of testimonies of self-defense, self-protection, self-idolatry. Works. It's successful. So you, you tell me you got... I'll, I'll just throw out some odd numbers here. Let's say you do the same thing. Like a slot machine. Okay? That's a great example. Out of 100 pulls, you're throwing in 5 bucks a pull. Out of 100 pulls, you get one success. How often are you going to use that machine? Satan's getting the majority of the winnings. But that one act of success, so protecting yourself, protecting yourself, protecting yourself, protecting yourself, protecting yourself, cha-ching! It saved you from a bum relationship. That'll lock you in. And you will do it because that's what I'm saying is it gets written. So it is said, so it's written. And they come back with stories like, well, can you imagine if I didn't protect myself from my father who was blah, blah, blah? Can you imagine if I didn't protect myself from... That's, that's what comes back. So once the Bible is written, now it's, it's um, one of these numbers. Okay, I got my Bible. I wrote it. So it's, it's guaranteed to support what I believe. That's right. So I don't need to memorize it. I don't need to go to Bible school. I don't need to, you know, get interpretation. I mean, I've got all that covered. So now i got my Bible. And by the way, I even rewrote a lot of good verses. I mean, really good stuff. Didn't quite say it the way I wanted, but, you know, I kind of adjusted a couple things, but it works really well. Like God even supports divorce. Did you know that? Yeah, he actually wants to, you know, not let you be unhappy. You see what we do? And we kind of rewrite it. It's not exactly what it says. It's very satanic. All of us fall into it. So now i got my Bible. So now the demanding thing, you can only demand if you really think you got the stuff. Or you fail. Do you understand that? I can't demand unless I know I got the proof. Or you really are kind of a fool. Because you're going to be the one failing. So I got my proof. So I'm setting a standard, you know, whatever. And so I say to the other, uh, didn't I say that bothered me? And why are you still doing it? So now the judgment. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is not going to happen again. Now the judge arrives. This is not going to happen again. You know what? It starts from myself, goes to God. On judgment, you're judging God first. 
You start here, it's birth that of self, pressure on others, God get on your knees. And then you start demanding from your code book, and then God is the very first one you judge. Because here's what happens. When you're demanding, 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 demanding that these others obey your Bible, what happens if you're a Christian, because if you're non-Christian, you are satanic. That's just the simplest way to say it. That's why we go to hell. But if you're a Christian, one of the first things that usually happens, no matter if you have a self-proclaimed Bible or use the real one, you go to God. You start judging God. God, why do they? I don't understand it. Why are you allowing me to go through this? You're, you're a righteous God. And they start quoting verses like it's some kind of ching-ching machine. They start claiming promises like there's like they're some kind of pill that you're taking. Instead of accepting the consequences of what it is we're doing. Now we're asking God to fix the fix that we fixed on ourselves. And God goes, I won't be mocked. I will not be judged. Because I seek help and guidance from nobody. And no, Stephen, I don't come to you for counsel. Because that's really what I'm confessing to. Why didn't you check that out with me first, God? Now, I've never said that to God before. But I'll bet you God would say I've said that thousands of times to him. Why, why didn't you check this out first? God, I told you. I told you right there when I was 16. I don't ever want to go through this again. That's what we're doing. So we are, we're hitting God, man, right, right from the get-go. Then we come to the other. We come out of our prayer closet. We are warmed up. We've had our little cha-ching time with God, treating Him like a casino machine. And we come out and we are fired up and we say to that other, I was reading the Bible, the Bible this morning and God told me that you need to... And that's what we started doing. And then we're the last that we judge. So a lot of times we walk away and we're kind of... Maybe I didn't handle that right. No, maybe you're not right. It's not handle it right. We're not right. There's a whole, what we used to call, pattern of Godship in our lives. So now, the judge got the standard set, demanded obedience, and they failed us. I'm disappointed. Now, I have judged you, and now I'm afraid I cannot talk to you for three weeks. That's my judgment. See, anytime someone says, no, I don't forgive you, they say, I am above Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I have more power than Christ alone. Christ himself could not not forgive. Because it was a pathway pre-programmed for him 
that he had to fight more with, but it was not with others. It wasn't with us. It was with God saying, you know I don't want to drink from this cup if this cup could pass, but thy will be done. And then he walked into it. No, we want to finish the job and do what Christ could not do. No, honey, you're going to pay for your own sins. And I'm going to help. It's true. So whoever seeks revenge is the one who selfishly endeavors to control all the circumstances. It's called manipulation. I hate to be the first one to tell you, and hopefully I'm not, but God is a major manipulator. So is Satan. Humans, we are too dense to true, truly manipulate. So here's all manipulation is. Someone walks in a, in a given direction and, and someone changes the circumstances so that they have to go that way and then they do it again and then they do it again until they have them exactly where they want them. That's the sovereignty of God. Satan does it too. He throws things in the pathway to get you to turn left and then right and then another right. That's manipulation. So when people try to control circumstances, they're manipulating. And not only are they manipulating, they're acting as God. But since God won't sign his name to what you're doing, there may be someone else who you're trying to replicate. So whoever tries to control circumstances says, I am the I am. I am sovereignly in control of everything. We're called control freaks. I'll be the first to stick my name on the list. Mm -hmm. There's something behind control. Fear. So you have the end result, which is a controlling person. And what is behind fear... What's the person really fearful of? Being alone. And then what's behind that is someone hurt them with the fear of abandonment. That's it. That'll drive any person to Jesus Christ. It'll drive anyone right into the hands of Satan. So Satan uses parents, which brings us back to the, to the end result is rejection is the most common consequence of Godship. So it's a circle. Someone hurt me. I'm afraid of being alone. So I walk in fear. And to camouflage my fear, I become a control freak. Because if circumstances are predictable, I feel safe. But if there's change happening too quickly around me, then I start freaking out. Lose control. When I lose control, my fears flood me. When my fears flood me, oh my God, I'm going to be alone. And it's going to remind me of someone I, ne I have never forgiven. Control, you can also put Godship. It's just they're not familiar with that term. So, since they have to be the sovereign independent, don't you box me in. If they feel shoved into a box, they feel phobic, and the whole thing starts all over again. They have to be outside the box. Living their own life. So now, seeking the praise and approval, acceptance from others and not from God, 
I truly believe in a very covert way, and I, and I know it is very loud in saying it this way, I really believe it's not just seeking praise and approval from others. We're actually saying, worship. On, on your face, worship me. But the end result is, you worship me down. Because see, that's what Satan's goal is. You, you, God, worship me. So sin really must make you stupid because Satan's not getting it. He really still is expecting God to worship him. So when it says, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I think he would know what that means, but he doesn't. I think Satan actually is blinded. Since I am the I am, I want you, honey, you, friend, you, God, to worship moi. Because it's, it's written right here. If you check on page 1063, it says that I'm not to be hurt because God wants me happy. And that's what we do. So the end result being, I don't need to ask help from anyone. So we don't. Of course not. We're God. No, that's why I want to make sure you guys get this. As soon as you step, check the next box, you're gone. You can, you can have standards of conduct that are right out of God's mouth. It is what you do with them. Because the Bible itself is filled with God's standards, which are exemplifying his character. So Jesus saying, I didn't come to judge. You know, He didn't come to demand absolute obedience. He didn't, and he didn't come to judge. So when someone would break the law, well, he was pretty good at showing us the standard. Now, I gave you the, the complex version for your own sake. When you're sitting down with someone, it needs to be quick, simple, and relatively fast. When they have God chip questions, you really do got to stop them like I stopped Ralph and said, okay, if that doesn't get answered by the time we're done, that's an awesome question to answer. But most of it does get answered. Mm-hmm. So... You lay out that example, but I think you do need to focus on this and how it, you require others to join you and ultimately start treating God like a slot machine. I think those are very good connects. Then the, the Bible connection is a good connect. And then, of course, now you have proof to demand that absolute obedience. People with photographic, photographic memories are the worst because they remember everything you've said. Judge, uh, judging God and others, making sure you do the reverse thing. It happens this way going out, and happens this way coming back in. That's a good connect. So, and then the seeking revenge is you have to determine the standard in order to demand. Whoever demands gets to be the judge. Whoever judge gets the one to slam the hammer. So those are good connects. That's why I don't like grabbing one out of the blue. They, they really do stack very nicely. Whoever gets to seek revenge gets to control the circumstances. I know where you're going. You're going 
to jail. No, you cannot collect $200. Go to jail. See, it's control. And then, why? Because I'm the sovereign one. And then now, thank me for what I just did to you. Polish the shoes or else. Oh, no, I'm not going with you to counseling. Thank you. There it is. But if you got this, those who seek the counsel of many then shall succeed down. Well, this is, this is fruitless to walk down this list. But I'm telling you, everybody, every human suffers with this. It's just different colors. Diagram number two is exactly that. And that is acknowledging the fact that God's the one that obviously determines the standards. These scriptures are an awesome homework assignment. So oftentimes I will Xerox a copy of the front and back, and then I would say, okay, your homework is to look up whatever scriptures you can find or study the cheat sheets because I want you to be able to come back and talk to me about Godship. Or if you want to grab a couple of these are really your favorite verses that make the point of the whole page, yeah, that's good too. You lose people. So it's obviously the very same list except for it's in the prerogatives of God. This one separates God's law is obviously absolute and man's law is very relative. It's very subjective. The way I like to say it, it's according to our mood. It's according to whether we're suffering with being hurt again. So there is so much self-law that's based upon hurt, if not all of it. You set the standard, really, because you don't want to be hurt anymore. And somehow we think by putting the wall up, it, it stops the hurt, but it doesn't. Yeah, people that actually grow old, grumpy, and they worked for most of their children's childhood and their adult lives to get control of them, and they can't stand being around him or her anymore. And so what ends up happening is no one wants to be around them because they're a grumpy old person, and their greatest fear came upon them. When all they were really trying to do is to have strong control over people because they were afraid. Because they knew that they were going to be alone and they needed to have people close to them. And they think by controlling people it keeps them close to them. And it does for a while. But in the end, they dump you. Man's law is very subjective. God's law is absolute. So you want to use this diagram. Just, just have them read what God says about good, what God says about evil, what man says about good, what man says about evil. Seven, read it and say, could you give me an example of what you would say. Could you give me an example of what you would say evil is? And then when there is arguing, for example, over scripture passages and verses and whatever, this is the diagram that comes to my mind. See, like the, the modern argument on divorce and all that kind of stuff? Well, I already know what God calls it. Anything God hates, he's not signing his signature to. So if God says, for I, the Lord thy God, hate divorce. And he puts the responsibility on the men, not the women. He says, why do you, O men, deal treacherously with your wives? I just, I just like take it for what it's worth. If he says it's evil, I'm going to promote evil, it is. If he says it's good and righteous, then it is. But I can't go rewriting it. 
So it's kind of grayish. This is a good diagram for people just to embrace the simple fact of, wow, I take God's absolutes and make them kind of not absolute. This diagram is the famous uh, three kingdoms. So you have kingdom one is you, kingdom two is your spouse, kingdom three is the relationship itself. So the warring of Godship that's taking place is not really for each other because not even fools believe you can actually control someone. Even a guy like that knows you can't really have control over the human. But you can have control over the relationship. So he could keep enough guilt going with his wife and these people and whatever that they were afraid because he had control over the relationship, knowing fully he cannot control that person's life. Because they could, bam, first hole in the gate, they're out. So even fools know that. That's what this diagram communicates. So you're nickel and diming that friend. You nickel and diming that spouse. You nickel and diming that child. You're doing nothing for them. You're not gaining any headway with them. But you are gaining headway and control over the relationship. That's true. It's called guilt trips. Manipulation. The end result is, I'm sorry, it ends up getting divided in a divorce. Because no one likes being controlled. See, God doesn't, I know that control is a biblical word, but in this term, God really doesn't control us. He allows circumstances to happen so we come to him for protection and live and dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, that, that protection. But he says you can walk out anytime you want. Just anytime. So you just go on. And he does. Have you ever seen an angel trip you and stop you and put his finger in his face saying, one more step and I'm going to kick your rumpus. No, it just it's not the design. But if you got to go do this, then have at it. Be- believe it or not, that's grace. God is a true manipulator. So he knows he can put something there a year from now, and we're going to bump into it and turn right. And then he waits another year, and he puts an object there. We bump into it and turn left. It's like I've always said. He's the only being of all of creation, of all of the universe, of all of eternity, that has the right and prerogative to be selfish. Because it's about the I am. I mean, think about it. He looks at a bird and he sees himself. He looks at dirt and he sees himself. He looks at stars and he sees himself. He looks, he looks at spances, darkness, and he sees himself. Everywhere he looks, he sees a reflection. Okay, you've earned your right. Good point, God. I don't see my face when I look at stars. I can't even see myself when I look at my dung which would be the closest analysis, which even Paul used that terminology. But no, not me. I look at that and don't want to associate with that stuff. This is an awesome diagram. You have the boundary lines of the will of God, and you have all... This is just obviously nothing compared to the several reams of paper it would take in small print, single space, to actually print out how much righteousness we have. Okay? There is we're given everything to enjoy. This is just a just a small, tiny, tiny little list. 
But any one of these things taken over the boundary turns into Godship. So in order for me to live in here, I have to lay my Bible down at the Lord's feet. Then I have to pick up His. He doesn't want mine under this arm and His under this arm. That's called theology. He just wants truth. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The book is a person. The book, my book, is a book. So i got to remember what I put in my book. And if you want to have a relationship with me, you better get to know my scrapbook. Because it's all about me. I wrote this. Yeah, you can polish my name if you want. <laughs> Every sin was started from righteousness. That always bothered me. Andrew Murray talks on this subject. Watchman Nee talks on this subject. A lot of those old guys. And it always bothered me. Like, ew, surely not. What about... And sure enough, you could just walk it right back into where it's supposed to be. One of them was, to be perfectly blunt with you, was homosexuality. I thought, no, that's a disgusting one. That, you, you can't walk that baby back in there. Afraid you can. That is men... We as men, Jesus Christ being our husband. See, Satan knows if he can get men weirded out, it's going to affect the relationship with Christ. So everything, when it's brought over that boundary, it gets crazy. becomes sin. This is the final di diagram in Godship, and it's hopefully where we want all of us to live the majority of our life. And that is, okay... God's not only my salvation. Jesus is not only my groom. You know, I've got the basic precepts down. But you know what? He is Lord means owner of my ship. He is the one who owns me. I have no rights or prerogatives. It's whoever owns me has the rights and prerogatives over me. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.